Okay, let's uh, begin this morning in Deuteronomy 32, verse 1. Now, we should probably go back to verse 30. Then Moses spoke in the hearing of all the assembly of Israel the words of this song until they were ended. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Verse 3, for I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. Verse 5, and he talks about the children of Israel. They have corrupted themselves. They are not his children because of their blemish, a perverse and crooked generation. Verse 15, but Jeshurun, or Israel, speaking of the people, grew fat and kicked, and grew fat, you grew thick, you are obese. Then he forsook God who made him uh, and scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation. Verse 16, they provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods, with abominations they provoked him to anger. And then what I want to show you here, he goes on and he, he talks about different things. And when you go down to verse 20, and he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end will be, for they are a perverse generation, children in whom is no faith. And now this word here that's translated faith in, in Hebrew is also translated most of the time faithful or faithfulness. Sometimes, a few times it's translated as truth. But there's only two places in the Old Testament where it translates the word faith. But the point is that the Israelites who were called, they were to have faith in God. And because of their heart, because of their actions, because of their desires to go their own way, to serve other gods and, and whatever, that God says through Moses that this generation, these people had no faith. Now, in the New Testament, one of the things that you'll see is required uh, for salvation is faith. We are saved. It is by grace you are saved through faith. So the faith that we have, the faith that God placed in you as a Christian in the very beginning, that faith gave us access to something. It gave us access to grace. Let's look at that verse in uh, Romans for a minute. Romans 5. Now, I believe that Christians know this. They know uh, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace you're saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So, you know, we know scriptures. Um, we can quote scriptures. We can read scriptures and sometimes miss the intent in them. Remember that the Israelites, uh, many of them knew it was rehearsed in their ear, uh, the word of God. So it's not like they didn't, didn't hear it. It's not like some of them didn't even know it as far as you know, the letter of the law, as Paul says. And Paul comes along later, and he talks about <clears throat> that they, they, they would seek the righteousness of the law rather than the righteousness of God. And so there's a difference. And so in, in Romans, 
Paul says, this is verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 2, through whom also, now that's important, through whom, meaning through Christ, uh, our connection with him through faith, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So we stand in this area of grace, and in that area of grace, the Lord brings to us that which is far beyond us. So we are saved by grace, and we have, by faith, we have access to this place. And I'll relate it to you that way, this place of grace. And so we're dwelling there, and in that place, as we're, we're looking to God in faith, the, the, faith is internal. Faith is something within that goes out from us to God, or toward God, faith toward God, as it says, uh, I believe it's in Romans. And, and so, in that place, the Lord will bring to the Christian that which is far beyond him, far beyond him. Certain things that we cannot do, we cannot see, we cannot hear, we cannot function in, because of our lack, because of our shortcomings, because of the way we are, because of our personality, because of whatever. You know, all that that's in us uh, from birth. We're there in grace, in this place, and looking to God in faith. Now he is able to bring to us certain things that are beyond us that are impossible. Now he makes these things available to us, and then they become possible. So our faith in God. Now, there are people, and there are whole churches, denominations, who have this idea that you are to confess the word. You believe it, you confess it. Now, there is an area and an aspect of that where faith can be vocal. See, faith can be uh, quiet. Faith can be vocal as far as you know, speaking it or not speaking it. But the point is that faith is to reside in the heart toward God. That's the important part, whether it is quiet or whether it is vocal. It's to be a spiritual posture that we are in. That gives us access to this place of grace, which then brings to us all these other things that the Bible talks about, you know, different things related to faith, which I'm, I'm going to look at some of them. Now turn to um, Hebrews 11. This is called the faith chapter. In Hebrews 11, this is a verse that <clears throat> most Christians can quote. They've heard it, they know it, as far as um, what, what it says. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, it doesn't really tell you. Now, the writer starts with this, and then he begins with that premise, and he starts to work down through the different examples, which we're not going to do. He says here, faith is the substance 
Or if you look that word up, it, it talks about, it's talking about a foundation. There's other meanings for the word, but we'll, we'll just leave it at that. Faith is the foundation of things hoped for. Now, that phrase of things hoped for is a present participle. So that means that your faith, my faith, is to be presently moving. There, there is to be active. In other words, there is to be in our heart. You see, when I look at you, you look at me, you can't see faith. We can't see that. Now, you may see, you may see faith in some action that an individual does. But if you're just looking at a person, a Christian, you cannot see faith in them. You know, God sees that. And, and that is to be present and continual in its direction from our heart to the Lord. And so, as I said, he sees that, he knows. And it's not based upon one's circumstances. It's based upon the heart, what God has done in the heart now, that causes the person to look to him and not to, you know, whatever, to the left, to the right, to the world, to people, whatever, where they're looking at him. And so this is a present participle, but it's also passive. So that's important because passive, you receive the action. That's what it means. You know, I, I throw the ball, I hit, hit, I hit him. So passive voice means he receives the action. So as we presently, continually have this faith coming out of our heart toward God, the action that we receive, see, that's God's business. That's the spirit of God's business. He comes and he does what he does in response to the faith in the heart. See, that's the action the Lord will do, whatever that may be. I don't know what it is. Um, the Lord will do in your heart uh, that which he does, and, and that will be the action you received. But see, your part and my part is that this faith is to be active in our heart constantly. You know, and, and that's the best I can explain it. So faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of, of things not seen. Not seen. So sense perception is not faith. You know, there are people who you know, you can meet, that they, they perceive things. Um, like one individual, you know, they met another, another person and they were around them for 10 minutes and they perceived right away certain things about them and certain things even about their personality, only being around them for 10 minutes. So, so people, some people have um, this sensual thing where they can, be around a person, and they, they call it, you know, I, I can read that person. But see, faith in God is not sense perception. Because the Bible says that we walk by faith, not by sight. It's not by uh, your, your sensory uh, vision, your sight. We walk by faith. So as a Christian... We have entered into a walk that is different than those in the world. And the Bible calls that we walk by faith. 
by faith doesn't mean that you just, you know, well, the Bible says this, the Bible says that, and that's faith. No, faith is this uh, element, this substance that is in you, that the Lord has placed in you, that now goes out from you to Him. See, faith is not in what you get. Faith is not in getting what you want from God or having things go the way you and I may want them to go. Faith is to reside in, or put it this way, faith is to come out from us toward Him. He is to be the object of faith. Now, that may mean you have faith in Him to meet some financial obligation. But see, that's not faith meeting the financial obligation. The faith is in Him. Now, in Romans, turn to Romans 12. Another very familiar portion of Scripture. Now, it says in, I believe it's in Hebrews, that without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Impossible to please God. Uh, It says, um, without, without faith, it is impossible to please Him, for he that comes to God must believe that He is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, so the key here in that verse, I, as I see it, is seeking him, as I was saying. That's the, the direction our faith should be, always, would be toward him. So without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now, people will take that verse and say, okay, now that means that I have to, to confess something and, and believe to receive whatever that may be, and that's faith. But see, if you continue on in the verse, it talks about those who diligently seek Him. You'll see this in various places. So the focal point of faith is not faith. The focal point of faith is not getting something. The focal point of faith must be God. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. See, that's that's the thing there. Now, in Romans 12, verse 2, or verse 3, excuse me. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God hath dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now, the word measure there is the Greek word metron. Let me see here, M-E-T-R-O-N. And that is a vessel for, uh, uh, see, how's that going? A vessel for receiving and determining a quantity. So if you, I I picture that as um, like those glass cylinders that they have with the graduated markings on them. And that would be the measure. To every man is is given a measure. Now now you have the, the glass cylinder and then you pour a certain amount into that cylinder to a certain level. So God has given to every man, every one of you, a measure or simplified, say, a degree of faith, a certain amount of faith. So when we came to the Lord initially, He gave us a certain amount of faith. Now, the faith He gave you 
is different than the faith he gave somebody next to you. So that's God's business. Uh, He knows where he's going to take an individual, and he knows the response from their heart that will, will need a certain amount of faith. See, so as you respond to the Lord, he will bring you into and out of certain things that will increase your faith. So it doesn't matter how much you start off with. The point is that faith is to grow. Now let's look at that for a minute in Romans 1. Whenever I became a Christian, I, I know the Lord gave me some faith, and it wasn't, I didn't think it was too much because I couldn't believe God for too much of anything. But then at a point in time, the Lord showed me it's not, that's not the point. The point is, is my faith toward Him? That's the point. Whatever the degree or the measure of faith that He's given you, is that pointed toward Him? Or is it pointed toward things? Is it pointed toward you what you want? Is it pointed toward your ambitions? Uh, is it po- pointed toward how you perceive success in this life? You know, faith can, can be pointed in many different ways and, and directions. But the point is that God wants it pointed toward Him. So He has certain things in the Scriptures that are hidden and certain things related to who he is, for the most part, is hidden. And you will have to discover them by walking with God in faith. And so in Romans 1, here's an example. Now now remember, the just shall live by faith. Now that's in... um, Two, two places. Let's hold your place in Romans 1 and turn to Hebrews 10. Just read this a minute. Hebrews 10, verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. Now that's a quote from, uh, let me see. Habakkuk, yes, Habakkuk 2. I was saying Hosea, Hosea, but I knew it wasn't Hosea. Habakkuk 2, that's... That's a quote, and I'll come back to that in a minute. Now, the just shall live by faith. Then he goes on, he says, but if anyone draws back or shrinks back, or if a person is going to withdraw themselves. Now, that's not necessarily meaning, well, I'm going to backslide or, or leave the Lord or all that. The drawing back can be because the Lord shows the Christian, what he's requiring of them today. And that which the Lord may require, a person may shrink back from. So let's say the Lord would say to you personally, you, okay, I want to use you to start a home Bible study in your home, and I want you to teach it. Well, let's say the Lord shows you that, you know that, you may not want to do that. You may say, well, I don't have the ability, and I don't have the knowledge, and I don't have this, and I don't have that, and I can't do this. And so you start to shrink back from that, and you don't proceed forward in faith. And that's just one example. I remember the first time years ago, the Lord 
he asked me to teach Sunday school, and I was a relatively young Christian, and that was the worst thing ever, ever, ever for me to do. I mean, I'd rather go and die on you know, some remote village somewhere than to teach in front of people. Oh, my goodness. And so I knew that it was totally, completely, far, far, far beyond me personally. And so I had to just wrestle with that thing and say, Lord, I believe you want me to do this, but I don't believe I'm qualified. I don't believe I can do it. And so I could have shrunk back from that. I could have um, withdrawn from that and said, no, I'm not going to do it. Let somebody else do it that's more qualified. So I, I believed God. I had faith in him. And I got up and, and did it, and it was probably the worst Sunday school lesson that anybody could ever hear. But that wasn't the point. The point was that I had to move uh, and, and do that in faith. So he says, if anyone draws back or, or holds, holds back or, or he avoids, what? Avoids what? What's coming to, the, to him personally, him or her personally, related to faith, to, to do this, to do that, whatever it may be. He says, my soul has no pleasure in him. So the Lord's not pleased with that. So now I'll go back to Romans 1. So the Lord gives everyone a measure or a degree of faith. See, but that's not the end of it. That's the beginning of the, of the matter. See, what we do in the beginning, or even now, matters. So in, in Romans 1.17... For in it, the gospel, I guess you could say, yes, verse 16, the gospel of Christ. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So we are to go from one degree of faith to another degree of faith. That's what you as a Christian are to do. So when that happens... So here you are on, let's say, this level here, and you know the Lord wants you to move up to another level of faith. But you know that that level of faith is far above you. So now what do you do? See, you must, in your heart, allow uh, that faith there to go out to him, to him, and then walk with him and allow whatever it may be to, to go through the, the, the motions or whatever, and you'll go, God will take you from one level of faith to another level of faith. Now, what happens between this level of faith and this level of faith, as it says in Romans 1.17, that the righteousness of God is revealed to the individual to some degree. Or you could say the holiness of God or, or who he is is revealed to some degree to the individual because of their faith in God, you know, in the place that they are, in the level that they, they're, they're living, okay, now you're going to be moving by faith to another level. God's going to take you there, and in the process, he's going to reveal his righteousness. And so he has all these processes in, in the scriptures to accomplish certain things in the heart and life of people, Christians. But see, the, the faith that he has placed in you, whatever measure that is, must move out from your heart toward him. See, that's, that's a given that must take place, that must happen. So the just must live by faith. 
or shall live by faith, as it says. Now, the def- just to say this, the, what is the definition of righteousness? I mean, you can go to a book and get a definition from, you know, different like sources like Strong's or, or maybe some commentary or what have you. But I think that the definition of righteousness is God's character. I mean, if you, if you want to know what righteousness is, you know, get to know the Lord. Draw close to Him. Move in this place now where, where He is calling you to move. See, and you'll start to see the righteousness of God. You'll start seeing that He's, he's far above. He's holy and, and what have you. Now, there are certain things that uh, I, I just have them written down here. I'll just read them to you that faith gives us access to. Now, we mentioned earlier that we have access to this area of grace by faith. That's very important, and that, that actually can be a whole, a whole teaching there. But there are other things that, and I just went down, and, and as the Lord you know, showed me in the certain scriptures, I picked them out. Many times we don't realize how important having the faith that God gives us, how important that is to, to have that continually in, in spirit now, going out to him, trusting him, believing him. In Peter, it says, the trying of your faith is more precious than silver. So there is some tremendous value that God sees in that when your faith and my faith is tried or it's tested. And none of us like that, but there is a, a value that comes out from that that is not there in the individual before that. Because if it was there beforehand, then the test would be necessary, would not be necessary. So that the testing of our faith not only proves its, its genuineness, but it, it does something else in us. And, and I'll leave it at that because you have to, you have to experience some test and walk through that in God to eventually see some result from that, some value from that. You know, people in the world see no value in, in certain things. James says that trying or the testing of your faith works patience or perseverance. So I, I personally think that some Christians don't persevere and continue to walk with the Lord you know, year after year after year, you see people that turn and go their own way, do their own thing and all that. And I think one of the reasons is that perseverance has not been developed in them. And to have that developed in them, the faith of that individual has to be tried. The trying of your faith develops perseverance. And see, for you to continue as a Christian, to continue to walk, you're going to need endurance. You have to have it because... Life in general is overwhelming, and the spiritual life as a Christian can be very overwhelming. And so to endure, you must have something, and the way you're going to get it is the trying of your faith, because it's going to work or develop perseverance so that you can continue on another day. 
and then another day, and then another day. See, that, that's how this works. So if, if I, as a Christian, avoid every single test, you know you can avoid tests? You can. Not everyone, but you can avoid certain things. Or you can get out of it and do what you want, so to speak. If I do that, then I am placing myself in a position to fail because that endurance that would come from that test you know, will not be there in my heart. So that's something that is important. James says, faith is to accompany works. So we know what works are. And an interesting thing, if you actually start to look at that, in the Bible, I know there's at least two places Paul mentions it, and then it's mentioned in Revelation toward the latter chapters. It, it talks about good works. It doesn't say works. It says good works. And so a good work, good works, will entail different things. Faith in God, being led by the Spirit to do a work, which is extremely important, because in Matthew 7 you see that those who came to Jesus said, did we not do this, did we not do that? In your name, he says, depart from me, I didn't even know you. You come to me, you weren't doing my, what, I, what I was instructing you to do at, at that particular time in your life. So to have good works, it takes certain things to, to bring that together. But one of them, and we'll stay with this, is, is faith. For faith without works, James says, is dead being alone. So your faith in God, my faith in God, uh, will eventually produce some works. And those works should become good works if everything is as it should be. And so faith again becomes instrumental. It's not just the works. See, it's not go, just going to the mission field. It's not just, you know, doing this or doing that. Uh, see, those works, going to the food pantry. You know, that's just, that, that's works. But see, for works to be what they are to be, there is to be faith in the heart. Faith and works. See, they, they, they go hand in hand. And so, your life... And others, the lives of others, to obtain certain things that the scriptures talk about. You know, we have, God has given us a measure of faith, you see. But that faith must go out to him. We must have that toward him and continue with that. We see that Abraham was justified by faith. Justification. Having been justified by faith, now Paul says this, we have peace with God. So the faith, being justified by faith, Abraham was justified by faith. He wasn't justified by the law because he, he lived before the law. So Abraham was justified by faith, and he came into this relationship with God by faith. You were justified by faith in Jesus Christ. And as it says in that verse, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. 
See, so faith, your faith in the Lord is going to be instrumental in having peace with God. It's going to play a part. See, uh, if you don't have faith toward God, then you're not going to have the peace that he has intended for you to have as a Christian. And then uh, the law of righteous can only be t- attained by faith. Let me see here. And we looked at that. This is, remember we started with the verse in Hebrews um, 11.1. 1. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Amplified sa- says this. I, I put this in there because I thought it was pretty good. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. See, so, so faith, you can see things in spirit. If you have faith in God, you, you'll be able to see certain things at times in spirit. And seeing them in spirit may be very beneficial to you because now that you see it, you can start to move in the purpose of God to obtain or to move into that which you have seen in spirit. The Lord just opens that up. So as I said before, faith is an activity of the heart and faith is to rest in your spirit and it is to move out toward God always, present participle. You know, that's to be the direction and the continual movement of faith. And, and that's something that but nobody can teach you that. The Spirit of God can do that, see. The Spirit of God can do that in your heart without you understanding it. That's how many of these things work. You don't have to understand it for it to work. Now, I'm trying to teach so that you see some things, but, you know, that's something you can't teach a person. It, it's, it's something that the Spirit of God does in you, and, you know, that faith now, present participle, is present and continually, you know, moving toward the Lord, toward the Lord, toward the Lord. Whether you're thinking about it or not, it doesn't matter. It still is a direction of faith that moves out from you toward him, toward him, toward him. Now, in just turn to a verse, Philippians 1. Just show you this real quick. Philippians 1, 21. Paul says, For me to live is Christ. Now, sometimes I think that's lost upon us. See, the activity of faith will be in him. So you were, you were placed in him when you came to Christ. And that is where we are to live and have our expression out from him. For me to live is Christ. So the Lord, through various means and methods, one of them would be the scriptures, will touch something in us, and I believe that's, been, that's happened to you, where the Lord touches something in you, and now that, that comes out toward him. Well, that's, that's the faith that we're talking about. It's a, it's a substance that's really not definable. Faith is not really definable, but it is real, and it is a reality. Gravity cannot be seen. And uh, if somebody says, well, 
I don't believe, is that's what people say, you know, if I don't see God, I'm not going to believe God. Well, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that we believe that we don't see, and one of them is gravity. If you don't believe in gravity, go up on top of the church and jump off. You'll see, whether you believe it or not, that gravity is going to take you to the ground. It's just a fact. It's a, it's, a, it's a law of physics. Well, there are certain laws of physics, and there are certain laws in spirit. And the laws in spirit work just like gravity does. You know, you have the, the gravitational pull of the planets. You have the gravitational movement of the planets around the sun and, and all that. Those are laws that help scientists figure certain things out that they figure out. So there are laws that God has placed in the scriptures, uh, laws that are binding, and certain things operate under this spiritual setup. And, you know, the Bible, when you start to read and the Lord starts to show you things, he can start to open up to you how some of these things work. And he does that for your benefit so that you and I can line up with it. See, that's the point, that we line up with it. It's just like, uh, you know, you must be born again. Well, you know, telling somebody that who isn't born again, they don't understand that. So once you receive Christ, now you understand that. And the reason why you understand it is because you have lined yourself up with that particular truth. See, now, now oh, I, I understand it now. You know, the Lord's done something in my heart in my life. See, so that's how it works. The Lord reveals certain things, uh, you know, however he does through teaching or, you know, your reading, whatever. And then as you line up with that, then you, some of the results of that, you move into that. There's results of that. Now, Colossians, you go, go to Galatians 3. And I'm going to read a couple of verses in Colossians. This is Colossians 1, 21 through 23. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. Now, now this, is, this is the reason to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Then he says this. If indeed you continue in the faith, or you continue in faith toward God, like I was talking about this, this movement, uh, presently, continually, out from your heart toward God. So, put it this way. Let's read this in the positive. If you continue in faith, he is going to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. So that's what Paul is saying. He used a negative, which he does throughout his writings. But you can place them into the positive to understand exactly what he's saying to you. Now, in Galatians 3, verse 12, Yet the law is not faith. Did you hear that? Now that's, I'm not saying that's what Paul is saying. The law is not faith. So keeping a bunch of rules and regulations and commandments is not faith. See, remember that Abraham, it says that Abraham believed God. He had faith in God. And it was kind of to him, 
or credited to him as righteousness. See, he did not have the Mosaic laws or any of all the rules that you know, came afterward. They, that was hundreds of years later. Abraham was justified before God by faith. So Paul says that the law is not faith, but the man who, who does them, meaning the, the different rules, shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. The reason or the result is that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. You and I were Gentiles. And I say were. In Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So he's promised the Spirit. But that's by faith, see. It's not by the law. We aren't justified by doing the law, by keeping regulations. We are justified by faith. Now, if you have faith in God, and that faith is proceeding out from your heart, your spirit, to the Lord, then you will start to fulfill the law. So this morning... As a Christian, when you got up, you didn't think, well, you know what, today I better not steal. I don't think I'm going to steal today, or I'm not going to go murder today. See, you don't think like that. Why? See, because that, that doesn't really, it doesn't play in the picture. See, because there's something in you that's fulfilling the law. So you're justified by faith, and you're moving by faith, you're not justified by the law. So you get up in the morning, you're not thinking about stealing. I hope not. And, and so you just, you know, walk by faith. And, and these other things, you know, they're automatically taken care of. You know, you, you don't commit adultery. You, you don't steal. You don't lie. You don't murder. You don't take the Lord's name in vain. It's not that you have to have them, you know, put up on the wall so that you know what not to do that day. No, you live by faith, and you fulfill that. It's not, it's not even in the picture, because, you, I mean, you, you wouldn't do that anyway. So that, that's how that works, see? You're justified not by the law, but by faith. We might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And I'll close with one verse. Turn to 1 Timothy. Now, there's one aspect here that we didn't touch that's very important, and I'll just mention it. It says, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And that does not mean that just because you hear the word of God, that you, know, you hear some teaching or you hear some preaching, that, that you have faith. It's not, I don't believe it's saying that. Matthew 4.4 4 and Deuteronomy 8.2 talk about Jesus quotes in Matthew 4, he quotes Deuteronomy 2 or 3, whatever it is. Uh, he says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's what man is to live by. That's Deuteronomy. And in Matthew, he, sa he says that man, same, basic same thing, man shall live by bread alone, but by every word that's proceeding out of the mouth of God. And that proceeding, as you know this, in the Greek, is a present participle, which means that you are to live by what is presently and continually coming to God, from God to you. See, that's what you're to live by. 
And so when it says, so faith comes by hearing, this talking about and hearing by the word of God, I believe it's talking about that which is presently proceeding from the mouth of God to you. Because the Lord will come to you in whatever way he does for a specific purpose to fulfill some specific thing that he may not for another person maybe next to you. So for you to have faith toward God to do that, see, he, he will send that word to you. Are you understanding this? See, it's, it's a present participle. You, you live by what the Lord is showing you, as, as long as you know it's the Lord. You live by what he's showing you, what's presently proceeding out of the mouth of God to you. Now, in, I just wanted to say that real quick. In closing, just one last verse, in 1 Timothy 6, and I have heard Christians years ago talk about this verse, and, you know, it says, fight the good fight of faith, and, of course, you know, they, they go through the thing, you've got to put the armor on and all this, and, you know, that's a, there's an application to that, yes. But the good fight of faith will be one through your will and obedience to what the Lord is showing you, specifically. That is where you're going to have to fight the good fight of faith because the Lord will come and challenge you to maybe whatever, uh, something that is far above you. So you might have to fight to, to say, okay, Lord, I'll do that. But anyway, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on. Now that there, it says lay hold on eternal life. Well, you're already saved. It's not talking about initial salvation. It's talking about other things that the Lord has for you personally as a Christian, you know, to, to do certain things in your heart and life. You lay hold on eternal life. And by the way, that's a command, and it's also something that you have to do for your own benefit. You have to seize, you have to attain, whatever it may be. You have to possess move to possess whatever it is the Lord has, is showing. And so, as Paul says here, fight the good fight of faith that you can lay hold of eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And so we'll stop there. And, and just remember this, if you don't remember anything else, remember that faith is to be, you have a measure it is to go out from you toward God. That's the main thing to remember. Faith toward God. 